The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Do you feel that you're losing the battle with looking and feeling your best? Stop! Welcome to Body Balance Talk with your host, Jeannie Schmidt, along with Lucy and Madeline. Your body has an outstanding ability to heal itself and stay healthy. It's up to you to get the process started. Now, here's the show. Hi, welcome to Body Balance Talk. I'm Jeannie Schmidt, PharmD, and I'd like to welcome you to our show today. Now, today, Lucy and Madeline are at an educational conference for the whole weekend in San Antonio, Texas. So I'll be on the show by myself today, and they'll join us back for the show next week. Now, for today, I'm going to be taking callers, and our topic will be on magnesium and anxiety and depression and how those three are all related. And I'd love to hear from you. Call 1-866-472-5792 and call with any questions or comments that you have about magnesium. Do you take magnesium? Do you use magnesium gel or oil? Do you take Epsom salts baths? Call and share your experience with us. And again, that number is 1-866-472-5792. Now, our sponsor of our show today is A Major Difference. A Major Difference makes the Ion Cleanse Machine for detoxification. And we've spent quite a bit of time talking about detoxification on the show. And it's a, it's a really large part of our program here and what we do. And it's... now. The, the machine that a major difference makes is one of the only FDA-approved devices for this purpose. And my husband, David, and I, we have been using the Ion Cleanse from a major difference for over 10 years. I think it's more like about 14 years by now. And we also use the Ion Cleanse here in the studio with some of the clients. And a major difference is an extremely reputable company with outstanding research and customer care. And for you, if you're interested in getting involved with them, you can call and talk to Neil, who is the owner, anytime about how the machine works and if it's effective and any other questions you have. That He's very, very accessible and he's very knowledgeable. And not only that, but this company also puts on educational conferences and webinars on detoxification that you can become involved in and learn more. And so for any of you who are looking for more information on this, go to their website. It's it's amajordifference.com. And if you need more, then just simply call them up. Okay, on to our topic of magnesium today. Now, did you know that magnesium is involved in over 300 different enzymatic reactions in your body? And you might go, what, what are enzymatic reactions? It sounds a little tiny bit complicated, but all it's actually very simple. It just means that reactions are going on in your body all of the time. So 
to make it a little bit simple, say that you eat food or you breathe in toxins, somehow these foods and different chemicals get into your body and then your body will actually start to change them into other things. And it just changes it into different molecules and it might do that so that it can eliminate it out through your kidneys or your colon or it might do it because it needs to change it into an active substance that your body can actually use. It has a variety of reasons why your body would take some sort of substance that you eat or breathe in or a toxin and turn it into something else. And you need enzymes in order to do that. But not only enzymes, you need minerals and especially magnesium. So if you picture kind of like a chemical reaction that's happening... You need the enzyme, but you also need the mineral, and we're talking about magnesium. And so if you don't have enough magnesium, then a lot of these reactions either don't happen at all, or the reactions don't happen as well, or they happen more slowly. And then what you experience is you notice something in your body, something just isn't quite right, or maybe you start to experience health problems. And so it's important to know that magnesium, it's a mineral. It's involved in so many different reactions. And that that means it's involved in most everything that your body does. So you really couldn't say, well, if I'm really low in magnesium, it's not going to affect this. Being low on magnesium affects really everything that your body does. Now, where do you think that the name magnesium came from? Now, it's Friday, so I thought that maybe you would want to have a fun fact for your special Friday today. Magnesium was actually discovered near a Greek city, and that city in Greece was called Magnesia. How about that? And so they decided to call that mineral Magnesium. So you can just pass that on to your coworkers and see if they know where the name magnesium came from. Now, magnesium sulfate, which is otherwise, you might know it as Epsom salts. And Epsom salts, you know, that's just the salty stuff that comes in a bag. You get it in a drugstore and take a bath in. That's actually made of magnesium sulfate. And that was used back in the 1600s. A 1697 medical paper recommended magnesium for all sorts of conditions, such as depression, skin problems, heartburn, vertigo, kidney stones, and gout, and a number of other conditions as well. And what is so amazingly interesting is that most all of these conditions are supported by current research and are still treated and improved with the use of magnesium. Now, if you look, you'll find a ton of modern research on magnesium. And just a short list of what magnesium can do to help you, consider this. Magnesium really helps people with panic attacks and anxiety and depression as well. And that's going to be pretty much our topic today that we'll be discussing magnesium and how that helps with the, with, uh, the panic attacks, anxiety, and depression. It helps with so many other things, and those will be topics that we talk about in the future. But magnesium also helps people who have asthma or bronchospasms. So bronchospasms is basically just a lot of coughing. Blood clots, Magnesium helps with blood clots and keeping your blood thin as it really should be. So there's a problem that goes on out there that I think a lot of people don't really think about is how many people are affected by this thick kind of clumpy blood. And you wouldn't really know you have that because you're not just checking out your blood. But once people get kind of advanced 
health difficulties and land in the hospital, it's often found that they have this very, very thick blood and then they're put on blood thinners to help with that. And something that's important for all of us to know is that you can actually prevent that condition if you have plenty of magnesium in your body already. Now, magnesium can also help people who struggle with constipation and sluggish bowels. And we'll be talking about some different magnesium supplements later on in the show. But for this purpose here, um, it's important to know that magnesium comes in a lot of different forms. You can take it orally by mouth in pills or capsules or liquids, or you can absorb it through your skin, such as in the Epsom salts baths or the magnesium gel. But how, how magnesium works for constipation is that when you take some salts of magnesium, they're actually not absorbed very well at all through your digestive tract, and they stay in your colon, and they draw water into your colon, and then that helps you poop. And so um, another mechanism is actually that the magnesium can help your bowels to relax. And so people that struggle with constipation, one of the first things you want to think about is maybe you don't have enough magnesium either in your diet or maybe you need to be taking some supplements for that. Um, another one would be bladder spasms. So anytime you think of the word spasm, anything that spasms, like um, it could be arterial spasms, but in this case it could be bladder spasms, anytime muscles are contracting and spasming like that, that's a bit of a sign to you that you might be having a problem with low magnesium. Magnesium is a muscle relaxant. And so to know that uh, when you want your muscles to contract effectively and functionally, you need a variety of minerals. Calcium you need, you need zinc, you need all the different minerals in order for your muscles to contract properly. But magnesium is going to be involved mostly in relaxing the muscles. So if you go throughout your body and anytime you go, wow, I've got some really tense muscles here. It might be your thigh muscles. It could be, you know, arm muscles. It could be that you have um, muscles around your head that are causing spasms and giving you headaches. Any, any of that, it could be that you have menstrual cramps. So that would be a spasm that's caused by a muscle contracting improperly. Anytime you're dealing with something like that, start to think maybe I have trouble with magnesium and trouble meaning that the magnesium would be low. Now depression would be another thing that magnesium can help with and also prevent and we'll get into the mechanism of that as we move along into the show. Then detoxification. Magnesium is critical for detoxification that your liver does. So um, as, as you know, you're eating food and you're breathing in toxins and you're eating toxins and toxins are really coming at you from all different directions, especially in this day and age. And your body has some great ways of getting rid of toxins. And one of those is through the liver. And that is dependent on a variety of enzymes in the liver to change those molecules into something else so that you can get rid of that toxin. Those are magnesium dependent. And so people that are low in magnesium have trouble fully detoxifying. So you might say, well, you know, your body is really meant to just get rid of toxins on its own. It's got, it's got all of its own mechanisms. You were already born with that. You don't need to necessarily be doing different detox procedures. I hear that from people on a regular basis. 
But a couple things about that. In this day and age where we're bombarded by toxins, your body was actually not devised in this sort of an environment where we have this many toxins. And we're all overloaded at this point. And so not only do we need to keep all those organs of elimination working properly, we want to be able to take in enough magnesium to help your body to be able to transform those chemicals into something that you can eliminate. And that's where magnesium comes into play here. We need magnesium for detoxification. And then diabetes is another one that um, being low on magnesium just makes sugar handling worse. So being able to handle sugar takes uh, a fair amount of magnesium in your body. And then we have fatigue. That's something that a lot of people struggle with. And magnesium is very, very critical in that it moves inside your cell and works with your mitochondria in producing ATP or adenosine triphosphate. So something that you don't have to remember exactly what that is. Just knowing that the energy that you experience in your body is actually made inside of your cells and you need magnesium to be able to work inside of your cell to create this energy. So people that are low on energy, that could be for a variety of reasons, but one of the great big reasons is being low on magnesium. So we would want you to think about magnesium if you're somebody struggling with fatigue. And then heart disease is another great big issue with being low on magnesium. And in fact, Somebody who would maybe be having a heart attack and then you call 911 and get shipped into the ER and maybe go into the OR for surgery and bypasses, you would probably be given an IV of magnesium. So this is something that's used in hospitals, knowing that the magnesium relaxes the arterial wall and stops those arterial spasms that are happening with people who are experiencing heart attacks. And so before you experience a heart attack, we already want to be thinking about having enough magnesium in your body so that you can have those arterial walls as relaxed and as easy as possible and also not to be developing high blood pressure that's the result of, of spasming of arteries. Now, magnesium, from all of this talking, might just sound like it's a wonder drug because it is involved in so many different parts of your body and so many aspects of your life. But it's not that it's a wonder drug at all. It's it's because magnesium plays a role in these hundreds of necessary and life-giving reactions in your body so that if you experience a deficiency, it affects so many aspects of your health. And so that by replacing the magnesium, those aspects of your health that are having trouble can be reversed. So... It's easy to think that it just sounds like a wonder drug, but we just want to remember that, no, it's just one of the basic minerals that your body needs. And before we just move on here, I have a book that I would like to recommend, and the name of this book is called The Magnesium Miracle. And again, this this makes magnesium sound like it's, you know, it's a miracle, but Seriously, for a lot of people, when they replace magnesium in their diets and improve their levels of magnesium, it feels like a miracle to them. Many people struggle with with all kinds of health problems and go from doctor to doctor and try this and try that. And when they get to the base and the, the base issue of what's happening in their body, which is really a deficiency of nutrients, 
it's amazing how somebody's life can improve from something that you would think would be so simple. But back to this book, it's called The Magnesium Miracle, and it's written by a doctor. Her name is Carolyn Dean, MD, and she also is a naturopathic doctor, so she's actually both. And she just has such great credentials for this, and she's done a lot of studies with magnesium and has really researched it. And this book is very, very uh, simple and easy to read, but it's also got a lot of great details in it. So it's really for people that um, want something easy and understandable to read, but it's also for people that really want to get all of the details about magnesium and understand what's going on. Um, I'd like to also point out that on our My Body Balance Nutrition blog, we have a video of Carolyn Dean, who's the author of this book. She's, she, it's a 30-minute video, and you'll find it on the blog. If you just type in magnesium, you'll see it pop up. And I'm going to just warn you um, not to say anything real negative here, but when you first start listening to the video, it looks like it's going to be something that's kind of slow and boring. But I'm just going to ask you to just push through that first minute or so, and you'll be fascinated by what Carolyn has to say about magnesium. It's, it's, it's really full of good information. I highly recommend it for people. And so back to just our topic of magnesium here. Being deficient in magnesium is not something that is uncommon. You might really think, well, that's only going to be a few people that are deficient. And maybe you're thinking that you're not going to be deficient because you think, well, we live... In the United States of America, we have plenty of food here and we have everything that we need. We shouldn't be deficient in any sort of nutrients and certainly not magnesium. But I'm here to tell you that that's not true at all. Um, in fact, being deficient in magnesium is more common than not. And really for anybody out there, you can just assume that you're going to be low on magnesium. And the only reason that you wouldn't be low is if you've been doing something like quite a project to increase your magnesium. And so I'm going to ask that question because I know that you're probably wondering, why are so many of us low in magnesium? So there's a variety of reasons here. And the first reason is really because our food supply is low. And we should be getting plenty of magnesium in the food we eat. And you'll find magnesium in anything that's grown in the ground. There should be magnesium in the soil, but here our soil is depleted. And it's important to know that we have gone from six feet of fertile topsoil, now that was six feet, down to six inches in 60 years, the last 60 years. So I'm just going to say that again. We've gone from six feet to six inches of fertile topsoil in 60 years. And you might think, well, why don't we just build that right back up? Well, it takes about a 1,000 years to make one inch of prime topsoil. So we've been really busy the last 60 years putting things on the soil to deplete it and growing monocrops, one crop on that soil that depletes our nutrients. It's important to know that only 7% of our farmland is actually considered prime. And so before I move on with some more of this information about why we're magnesium deficient, it looks like it's time to take our first break. So when we return, we'll just continue talking about the fertile topsoil and nutrition and magnesium. So we'll see you after the break.
your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Cancer is not something to be taken lightly, but instead of being talked at by doctors, medical providers, and others, wouldn't it be nice to hear from a host who has worked at the cancer coalface for 38 years as a caregiver, supporter for 14,000 patients, and who has had the experience of having a life-threatening condition herself? You will hear the stories of survivors and other people who work in breakthrough cancer medicine. Navigating the Cancer Maze with host Grace Goller will help you with the facts, planning, and grief experienced with different forms and stages of cancer. Listen every Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Body Balance Talk. To reach us with your questions and comments, please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at mybodybalancenutrition.com. Now, back to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to our show. I'm Jeannie Schmidt, PharmD, and before the break we were just talking about magnesium and why we might be low and talking about the first reason that we're low because our food is lacking in the magnesium because we've got depleted soil now. And you might be thinking, well, well, don't the farmers put fertilizer on the soil? And Yes, of course they do, but those fertilizers generally contain potassium, phosphorus, and nitrogen, and not really the magnesium. And so even if you're eating lots of colored vegetables, and for sure you want to keep doing that, even if you're eating good foods as that, you still are not getting the magnesium that you need for optimal health. The second reason that you would be low in magnesium is low stomach acid. And low stomach acid prevents you from absorbing the magnesium in your food. So, for instance, you might eat a food and it's got a lot of magnesium in it. Say you go, hey, almonds have a lot of magnesium. Chew them up good. They land in your stomach. If you don't have good stomach acid, you're not going to be absorbing the magnesium. And it's not only magnesium, you also don't absorb your other minerals, such as zinc and calcium. So that low stomach acid can really be a problem for people. And as we age, as every year goes by, we usually produce less stomach acid. But more importantly, it's a high percentage of the population that takes acid blockers, and not only once in a while, but takes those on a regular basis. And some of those acid blockers actually stop all acid production. You know, you will, you might have antacids that just maybe lower the acid or they neutralize it, but then there's the other ones like Prilosec or Omeprazole 
or Prevacid, any of those ones, those are actually reducing that acid down to zero. So if you're one of those people and you don't have stomach acid in there, you're not absorbing magnesium. Even if you're taking magnesium supplements or even if you're eating food that's got great sources of magnesium in it. Now, another big reason that we're low in magnesium is because of our diet of sugar and processed foods and damaged fats. If you're eating those foods, it devours your magnesium. And what I mean by that is just to process through sugar and damaged fats, you're using up a lot of your magnesium that you already have in your body. And so you're depleting your magnesium if you're eating those foods. So that's something that's reasonable to reverse. You just stop eating those foods, and that's going to actually keep some more magnesium into your body. And then we have medications that can decrease magnesium, and those would be diuretics that are used for high blood pressure, birth control pills, insulin, tetracycline, and other antibiotics, and then steroids such as prednisone and nicotine with smoking. All of those decrease magnesium in people's bodies. Now, one of the biggest magnesium depleters is our stress level. And stress, as most of us think of it, it comes from busy lives. Most of us live these fast-paced lives, maybe working long hours, two to three jobs to make ends meet. And when we're not working, we're taking care of the kids or driving them here and there, cleaning. And the economy, the weather changes are stressful for a lot of people. Bad relationships add to stress. But another type of stress is physical So those people out there who are experiencing chronic pain, that's stressful in your body. That's, and I'm not saying, so why don't you just not have the pain? I know it's not an easy solution, but it's important to know that if you're somebody that's experiencing chronic pain, that's creating a stress environment in your body and it's depleting your magnesium. So you want to be aware that that could be happening for you. And then there are people that don't move or exercise at all. Or then there are the other people that are exercising way too much. That's another type of physical stress you're putting on your body that both of those are going to be depleting your magnesium. People that don't sleep well, that adds stress to your body and quite a bit of stress. And the deal with stress is that it creates chemical changes in your body. And those chemical changes require magnesium. And that magnesium is necessary to handle the stress. And so there's a real tricky part to all of this. And that's that when you have plenty of magnesium on board, you're able to handle stress quite well. However, it can become a circular problem if you don't have enough magnesium on board. So say that's you. You're starting out, you don't have enough magnesium on board, and then either you have chronic pain or you're in stressful situations. You're not going to handle that stressful situation very well at all because you're already low on magnesium. And then when you're experiencing the stressful situation, you're not handling it well, it depletes your magnesium even further. And then the lower that your magnesium plummets, the worse you handle stress and it becomes a vicious cycle over and over and over again. So we can see that we have five really big reasons that we would be low on magnesium. One, our food supply is depleted. Two, many of us have low stomach acid that prevents us from absorbing magnesium from the food and the supplements that we are eating and taking. Three, many of us are eating too much sugar and processed foods that depletes magnesium. 
Many of us take medications that are depleting magnesium, and pretty much all of us are dealing with high levels of stress. So who's not affected by at least a few of these issues? Now, would you think that there would be a good test to indicate that your magnesium is low? Because maybe through going through all of this, you're wondering, well, I know you're saying all this, but how do I really know if my magnesium is low? Well, in fact, the most obvious one would be a serum magnesium level. That would be something that many people often get measured in the doctor's office just on a regular basis. It's, it's part of a routine series of labs that gets ordered for most people. However, it's very, very important to know that this is not an effective or it's not an accurate method of alerting you to a magnesium problem. Why is that? Well, less than 1% of your magnesium is actually in your serum. And that level that you get done, that lab in the doctor's office, is a serum level of magnesium. That's going to account for less than 1% of your magnesium. So if your serum level is actually low, that means that you're in pretty bad trouble by that point. So that might be somebody who is already in the hospital or dealing with quite a large health problem by the time you're going to see that your serum level of magnesium is low. So what you're interested in is the magnesium that's actually found inside of your cells. So inside the nerve cells, inside the red blood cells, the white blood cells, that's where most of your magnesium resides. Um, And so that's where the magnesium actually is doing its work. Remember how it goes in and it works with your mitochondria to help you produce the ATP? That's where it matters where your magnesium is. And so if you really wanted to delve in and find out, you could get a test that's called a red blood cell magnesium test. It's not real common and it's something not that wouldn't just be routinely ordered in your doctor's office. But if you're somebody that sees a naturopath or maybe you see a chiropractor who practices nutrition, those professionals could order the test and help you to interpret it. Now, even this test is not entirely accurate. However, it really could give you a gauge, and especially if you do it before and then you work on increasing your magnesium and do it after, you should be seeing an increase in that. So even though we just talked about the testing, it's not something that I recommend everybody just run out and do. It's less expensive and less invasive and just easier for you to just assume that you're low in magnesium and work to increase your stores. So what really is the big deal with magnesium and what happens to us when we're deficient in it? Well, a big topic we're talking about today here is actually anxiety and depression. So magnesium can affect muscle cramping and heart disease and all these other things as well. But today we're going to just focus on anxiety and depression. And it's important to know that people don't get anxiety and panic attacks and depression because they're deficient in Prozac or deficient in Valium. And giving these drugs does not solve the problem. And a person, though, that takes these drugs may insist that they feel better when they take the medication, which really could be true. But the problem is that the drug did not fix the underlying problem of what what the problem is in the first place. And so in many cases, we see that magnesium plays a huge role in these mood disorders. Now, how would that work? How does magnesium play a role in anxiety and depression? 
Well, we can see that just adding stress can push somebody into an anxiety or depression mode through the mechanism of losing magnesium. So how does that work? Well, let's back up a bit and look at a bit of research. Research has shown that when adrenaline is given through an IV, it produces a decrease in magnesium as well as calcium, potassium, and sodium. So this was a study, and and actually numerous studies were done like this, but this would just be a study that they are giving somebody or a group of people some adrenaline through an IV. Now, that would be exactly the same experience that you would have when you're in a stressful event. So adrenaline is wouldn't just be considered an outside drug that a research study is using. That would be something that you would have an adrenaline response anyway, just going through your life when you're feeling very, very stressed out. So in these studies... They find that when the adrenaline is stopped, of course, then the body's going to recover and they see the potassium and the calcium and the sodium rises back up. However, they find that it takes way longer for the magnesium to rise back up. And so it's important to know that when you have high adrenaline or a super high stress response, I think you already know this, that it affects your heart rate. Right, like say that you're going to give a talk or maybe you're going to perform, that everybody knows the feeling you get as your heart starts to race. That's an adrenaline response. Or say that all of a sudden someone's talking to you and you're just getting really, really angry and you start to have this high heart rate. That's an adrenaline response. I think everybody knows what I'm talking about and has experienced this. Your blood pressure also rises and your blood vessels constrict. And it affects your muscles' ability to contract in a functional and a good way. And it affects even more metabolic processes than this. But these are the major ones that high adrenaline affects. And what's so important here in our discussion today is that to know that for each of these effects, the heart rate, blood pressure, and muscle contraction, your body is using up magnesium to make these things happen. So to get your heart rate to rise and to increase your blood pressure, you're actually using up magnesium. So that's a mechanism of how when you have these adrenaline responses, how your body rapidly uses up magnesium and you can just really deplete yourself pretty quickly. Now, one big role that magnesium plays in anxiety is its role in helping your brain make and use GABA. And that's G-A-B-A or gamma uh, aminobutyric acid. And GABA is a calming neurotransmitter that connects with brain receptors to help you to feel calm and satisfied and happy. So GABA, you would consider as your friend. It's something your body makes. It makes you feel good. We would want to have that. We know that GABA is facilitated when you drink wine. So many people report that they like to drink a few glasses of wine at night. And they just like the feeling and they report that when they have their wine and often it's one glass of wine or two glasses of wine, they report that they just like that feeling and that they feel better. And sometimes when I'm talking to those people, I probe them just a little bit further. They indicate that it feels like the tension from the day just drops off and they just feel relaxed and like the world is a better place. And 
what that is is that wine is facilitating GABA. It's making your body make and use more GABA in your brain. That's why you're feeling better when you have the wine. And when you have enough GABA, you don't feel stressed out, such as this. Other people don't irritate you, and you don't get so upset over certain circumstances. Now, wine is not the only way to facilitate GABA. For your body to make GABA, you actually need to have plenty of magnesium. You also need another amino acid called taurine, and you also need B vitamins. But for many people, it's a magnesium deficiency that's not helping your body to make enough of the GABA. So we see here that the big problem is that if your body's not making enough GABA, what it's doing instead is it's making something else called glutamate. You probably heard of monosodium glutamate. This isn't exactly the same, but it's, it's very, very similar. It's a substance your body makes, and your body has a choice. You, you're, you eat amino acids in the form of protein, so you've got amino acids in your body, and various amino acids, are, they have a choice to be transformed into either GABA, which is calming, or glutamate, which is excitatory. And ideally, you really want to have both of those neurotransmitters. You need both. That, and that would, be, that would be ideal for people. Now, glutamate, it's a neurotransmitter that does act on brain receptors similar to GABA, except that glutamate keeps you alive and alert, and it's excitatory. And that's great and all unless you get too much of the glutamate. And people who have too much glutamate feel anxious and nervous. Things start to bother you, and you might feel kind of irritable, You may start to experience insomnia and difficulty sleeping. And it's important to know that too much glutamate moves along a spectrum. It's not black and white where you either have too much or you don't. uh, it's, It's a whole spectrum of events. And so if we start at the bottom, if you have just a little bit too much glutamate, those people feel a low level of nervousness and anxiety really all the time. And it becomes just the status quo And you live with that feeling all the time, and you don't know of any other feeling. It's that common for those people. And this actually includes a high percentage of the population. It's not rare at all. It's probably way over half of the population is dealing with this sort of high glutamate. That's just just mildly high. These would definitely not be people that have diagnoses of an anxiety disorder. They wouldn't even think of getting medical help, and it's not... Uh, it's not that big of a problem for them. And most people don't even realize that they even have any problem at all. They just think that that's their personality, that they're just kind of a nervous, kind of anxious kind of person, that they're a little bit irritable and other people just kind of bother them all the time. Now, the next level of glutamate overabundance is an actual anxiety disorder where somebody might seek medical treatment and maybe they even get on medication. And at that point, it feels invasive in their lives. So maybe it's invading into relationships or work. And those people end up going on medication oftentimes. And they notice that something is wrong. It really does interfere with their lives. But now as glutamate increases, it can lead to more and more anxiety and other psychological disorders as well. And as it moves even more and more with the glutamate, a person can start to experience seizures. At that point, they're most likely in the medical 
system and they start seizure medications. It's really interesting to know that seizure medications work by facilitating GABA. And that's very, that's great. Except that there's problems with those medications and that they have quite significant side effects. And they don't really get at the root problem of why the person had low GABA in the first place. And so it's, it's wonderful that the medications help decrease or eliminate the seizures. But those people rarely go off the meds because the underlying problem was not addressed. Now, the glutamate can go even further than causing seizures. Super high glutamate leads to catastrophic neuron degeneration. It sounds pretty severe, and it is. And you may have heard of something called brain on fire. And um, I think that there's actually a book out there if you are looking for books and put in brain on fire, a woman experiences and wrote a book about her experience. And this is due to extremely high glutamate in the brain. So let's just back up a little bit here and realize that if your body has the right nutrients in it, and one big important one being magnesium, you'll, you'll most likely produce the right amount of GABA and glutamate to feel a balance between being alert and alive and relaxed and happy with the world. And if you're not feeling that way, it's a strong sign that your magnesium level is actually low. And if you work on increasing both your magnesium intake, but also making sure that you absorb it so you can use it, you should start to feel better. And it looks like we're ready for our second break. So let's go on that. When we return, we'll just continue talking about magnesium. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. How is your health? Do you want to know more about it? Every day there are new technologies, procedures, and healing techniques coming forward. To understand them, tune in to Speaking of Health with Dr. Michael Cudlis. Our guests come from different backgrounds in the fields of health and healing. We'll discuss new realities and modalities, from chiropractic to metagenics. It's all designed to improve your quality of life. Speaking of Health is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Body Balance Talk. 
To reach us with your questions and comments, please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at mybodybalancenutrition.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. This is Jeannie Schmidt, PharmD. And before the break, we were talking about magnesium and anxiety. Let's move on to depression. How is magnesium involved with depression? So one thing is that we we know that depression often rides along with anxiety and that they often run along hand in hand. And not always, but it's often that they do. If magnesium plays a big role in both, it's easy to see why they would occur together. That would only make sense. So we think about another neurotransmitter called serotonin, and I'm sure everybody has heard of serotonin, knowing it's a neurotransmitter, and it's another one that makes you feel good. Magnesium is critical in the manufacturing process of serotonin. And something else, as long as we're talking about serotonin, is the gut bacteria. And that's a topic for another day. But gut bacteria manufacture serotonin as well. But you need, ma- you need magnesium in that whole process. So without magnesium, you don't make enough serotonin in the first place. Now, that's not the only thing that magnesium does with serotonin. It's also involved in helping your brain cells to not only take up the serotonin into the brain cells, but it also helps your brain cells to release the serotonin so that it can create a balanced mental functioning. So knowing you want the serotonin to actually um, come onto this receptor on the cell, it goes inside, it also has to be released from the cell. Magnesium is critical in both of those processes. And because depression can be so debilitating, it seems to make sense that we would need to take strong measures to alleviate it. However, understanding the nutrient connection to both anxiety and depression goes so far to solving the problem for good. So from this discussion, we can see that magnesium is critical in helping your brain make GABA, the calming neurotransmitter, and it's also critical in helping your body make and use serotonin. If you're low in magnesium, you will tend to make more glutamate, the excitatory neurotransmitter lean towards anxiety. And if you're low in magnesium, you'll not only make enough, you'll not make enough serotonin, but you won't be able to use it properly. And so to review, if you're living a stressful life and you're using up magnesium faster than you can get it in, then you might be having trouble and you might notice that your stress is depleting your magnesium. And if you're eating sugar or processed foods, you're depleting magnesium. If you take acid blockers, you're not absorbing the magnesium. And if you're not getting all your magnesium from your food, you're going to be low in magnesium because our food supply cannot supply us with enough dietary magnesium. So where does that leave us now? It leaves us in the place where we need to supplement with magnesium. And I'll start out by mentioning that if you have a kidney condition where you cannot effectively eliminate magnesium, you would not want to be taking additional supplementation without checking with your kidney doctors. Now, for the rest of us, people that have good functioning kidneys, we need to supplement with magnesium. 
It's important to know, you might ask, well, what if I get too much magnesium? Well, that's why we want kidneys and we've got a colon. Those things are, those two organs are going to eliminate excess magnesium. And one of the things that you'll notice if you ever get too much magnesium is you're going to get diarrhea. And so we don't encourage people to overdo it and take so much that you're having diarrhea, but you want to know that that's a way that your body gets rid of too much magnesium. It's not as if you're going to take the magnesium and store it places and you're going to become toxic. Your body will eliminate it. Now, let's start out with Epsom salts baths. Epsom salts are magnesium sulfate. And magnesium always comes as a salt. It never comes alone. So you don't just say, I just take magnesium. It's always going to have this other word behind it. And that's just called a salt. And then your body has to break that apart. It breaks the salt away from the magnesium, and then your body can use it. And when you're supplementing and working on increasing your magnesium, it's best to use a combination of these salts and also a combination of delivery systems. And so Epsom salts would be a transdermal or through-the-skin delivery system. And this is especially useful for people who are on acid blockers or anybody who has any other issue that prevents you from absorbing magnesium from your digestive tract. This way you get it through your skin. So if you take an Epsom salts bath, use one to two cups of Epsom salts, not just a few tablespoons, and stir it around in the water, get it to dissolve. Get in the bath and get as much of your body as possible in contact with the water. Stay in for 20 to 30 minutes because you're absorbing the magnesium. I just talked to a woman and she said, well, I take magnesium sulfate baths, but she was only taking them for maybe like three or four minutes. She'd just get in and get out. You need to be in there longer so that you can actually absorb the magnesium. And if you like a longer bath than 20 to 30 minutes, that's, of course, that's going to be, that's going to work very, very well too. Now, for those of you with tight muscles, you should feel a bit of relief after these baths because remember, magnesium is a muscle relaxant. And for people with sleep problems, take the bath before you go to bed and you might notice that your sleep improves. Remember, magnesium is relaxing and it's already working to help you make more GABA, the calming neurotransmitter in your brain. And you could take these baths every single day if you like. Now, the other transdermal or through-the-skin method that I would recommend is magnesium gel or oil. And one that we recommend is produced by a company called Ancient Minerals, and we find that they have a very clean and pure product and very well-made, and it works. This one is actually magnesium chloride. So remember, Epsom salts is magnesium sulfate. This gel is magnesium chloride. So we already see we're getting two different salts, and that's going to help you to replace your magnesium a little quicker than if you only use one. Now, if you're using the gel, you take the gel and put it all over your body. And you'll notice that it might be feeling a little bit tingly. And it's not necessarily very comfortable or a good feeling. Just keep in mind that this is a treatment, so, but not a spa treatment, right? It's, you're thinking of you're getting the magnesium in your body. It's ideal if you stay undressed and let the gel absorb for about 20 to 30 minutes. But if you need, put on some clothes, something that's loose and isn't going to just rub that gel right off. Now, after 20 or 30 minutes, you're going to shower that gel off of your body. It's not going to absorb entirely into your skin, so you're going to notice some residue at that point. Take your shower. Now, 
During the 20 or 30 minutes, you might notice that it dries and it leaves a white salt on your body. So if that happens, get your hands wet and rub it over those areas to re-moisten it and you're going to be absorbing more of it. Now, if you choose the magnesium oil, you need to know that it's not really an oil. It looks and it feels like an oil, but really what it is is a super saturated solution of the magnesium chloride, making it have kind of an oily feel. And it's important to know that because you might be thinking that this magnesium and the the gel and the oil are moisturizing you, but they're not. You know, it really is not an oil. And once you shower these off, most people find that they need to add a moisturizer onto their skin, especially if you're doing the magnesium or gel on a regular basis. So here we've discussed two different ways of getting magnesium into your body by bypassing your digestive tract. So these two methods are recommended for everyone. However, they're critical for people on acid blockers and those with low stomach acid, um, if you have low stomach acid for other reasons. Now, for people who can take magnesium by mouth and you're pretty sure that you don't have absorption trouble... Um, You would be thinking of magnesium pills or oral supplements that you would add to this regimen, and you'd have a number of choices. First off, I wouldn't recommend magnesium oxide or magnesium citrate, as those are not absorbed very well. Those would be magnesium products to use if you have constipation, because they stay in the colon, they draw the water in, and they help you poop. So there's still a use for them, just not increasing your magnesium stores. So a good one for you to look for would be magnesium glycinate. That's G-L-Y-C-I-N-A-T-E, magnesium glycinate. This one is quite well absorbed. And the tablets or capsules usually come in 100 or 200 milligram tablets. And so for here's the deal. For people that are really struggling right now with anxiety, insomnia, or depression, For you, you're going to try and get in as much magnesium as you can into your body. And this would mean splitting up doses throughout the day and before bedtime. So what it might look like would be take the oral supplement of the magnesium glycinate, one or two of those, like 100 milligrams or 200 milligrams, a couple times throughout the day. Don't take something like 800 milligrams or 1,000 or 2 grams. Those are way too high of doses. You can overload yourself and give yourself diarrhea or your body really doesn't absorb those large quantities all at once. And so if you want to absorb more, take smaller doses and split that up throughout the day. Now, if you don't struggle with these issues and you don't go, I have a whole lot of anxiety, you don't have any of that going on, you just want to take this because you know you're low in magnesium because most everybody in this country is, you're going to just consider taking maybe one or 200 milligrams of magnesium glycinate at night, either with dinner or before bed. And you might also want to use a magnesium gel a few times a week and maybe take a relaxing Epsom salts bath periodically. And so as long as we live in a world with stress and sugar and processed foods and toxins and poor soil, we really are all going to need a supplement with magnesium. And foods that are high in magnesium, you can go ahead and eat those. In general, those are going to be great green vegetables, nuts and seeds, legumes, and Eat those foods. However, it's important to know that even when you're eating a diet that's filled with magnesium-rich foods, 
just because of our soil and just because most of us have digestive tracts that are somewhat compromised, we still are not absorbing the magnesium that we really, really need to have in our bodies. So for everybody thinking of a plan to help increase your magnesium in your body, notice what you feel like. Notice if you feel calmer. Notice if you sleep better. Notice if your muscles feel more relaxed. And you want to let us know what you experience. And one way to do that is visit us on our blog at mybodybalancenutrition.com. All kinds of great recipes, articles, and this video on magnesium. You can join our Facebook community and to get these useful updates and information on healthy nutrition topics. It's time to wrap our show up. I'm Jeannie, and that's our show for today. Thanks again for tuning in this week. Join Jeannie, Lucy, and Madeline for another edition of Body Balance Talk next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, listen to yourself and make it a healthy life ahead. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.